Welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. I'm Laura Hutchinson, pastor of First Christian Church Disciples of Christ in Anniston, Alabama. And during this time of sheltering in place, our church is worshiping together here. We are so glad that you've joined us. I have a few announcements before we begin our service. As today marks the beginning of Holy Week, that most sacred of times in the Christian year, we have provided different ways to observe each day with your family at home. Please go to our Facebook page at FCC Anniston, that's A-N-N-I-S-T-O-N, which is First Christian Church of Anniston, Alabama. There are several posts on our Facebook page with ideas and scripture readings and activities for individuals and families with children, different ideas for each day of the week. Um, and I encourage you to take advantage of those. They're really cool, um, some good ideas and great ways to stay connected to Holy Week while you are at home. The next announcement is that Chris, the Christian Church Disciples of Christ has planned a week-long prayer vigil for the whole denomination starting today, Sunday. The regional ministers of the Christian Church are leading the effort to unite all of us in prayer for healthcare workers and everyone working on the front lines of this pandemic during Holy Week. Each region has been assigned a day, <clears throat> and the congregations are being asked to set aside a specific time for us to pray on that day. So Alabama and Northwest Florida has been assigned Monday, April 6th, and I've assigned us, I've signed us up for the 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. slot. So I'm asking all of you to stop what you're doing at some point between 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. tomorrow on Monday, April 6th, and pray for the safety of all of the people risking their lives and their families' lives to help fight the COVID-19 pandemic. And finally, for Maundy Thursday and Good Friday, I have created a video worship service of the Stations of the Cross, much like the service that we usually have in our own sanctuary each year. On Thursday or Friday evening, I invite you to check our Facebook page to find the link to the YouTube video. I'll also be texting the link out to everyone on my list. And now, let us prepare for worship. I would like to invite you to pause this podcast to do two things. One, go outside your home and pick a leaf, a branch, or even a blade of grass, if that is all you can find, and bring it inside to represent your palm branch this Palm Sunday morning. And two, set your table for the Lord's Supper. Get your bread and juice ready for the communion service to come and light a candle, representing the light of Christ that is always shining in our midst and in our world. Once you have those items, press play and we'll continue to worship. And now settle into a comfortable chair and let us worship our Lord and Savior on this glorious day of his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Today's call to worship is written by Thomas Troger, a poet who has this beautiful poem printed in our Chalice Hymnal. You can find it um, at location 193, a cheering, chanty, chanting, dizzy crowd. 
A cheering, chanting, dizzy crowd had stripped the green trees bare, and hailing Christ as king aloud waved branches in the air. They laid their garments in the road and spread his path with palms, and vows of lasting love bestowed with royal hymns and psalms. When day dimmed down to deepening dark, the crowd began to fade, till only trampled leaves and bark were left from the parade. Lest we be fooled because our hearts have surged with passing praise. Remind us, God, as this week starts, where Christ has fixed his gaze. Instead of palms, a winding sheet will have to be unrolled. A carpet much more fit to greet. The king a cross will hold. Let us worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. passing of the peace in our church, in our sanctuary. I miss coming down off the chancel and hugging you and, oh, and just saying peace of Christ be with you. So I encourage you once again to reach out to each other virtually or over the phone to make a point to send a text or an email or pick up the phone and, and call someone and say, peace of Christ be with you. And so I invite you now to welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed us for the glory of God, let us pass the peace of Christ. Today's scripture comes from Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place 
to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. May God bless the reading of his word. Please join me in the prayer of confession. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Hear us now as we silently confess our sins. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. We are forgiven. Glory be to God the Almighty. Amen. Now is the time when we come together as a worshiping family, as the body of Christ, where we pray for one another and we pray for our world. So let's start with our... Um, prayer requests. The first one, let's start with a praise report because it is amazing how God is answering our prayers every day. Maria, who we prayed for in last week's worship service, she was in the hospital with pneumonia and she got to go home from the hospital yesterday. So let's continue to pray for her as she continues to heal now that she's at home. Pray for her that she is able to stay still, as that is a very difficult thing for Maria, as we all know. Anne has asked for prayer for her friend, Teresa Davis, who is battling cancer. We're praying for Griffin's Aunt Holly. She is pregnant and her due date is coming up and she's looking at the possibility of giving birth with no loved ones present in the delivery room. 
Annie has asked for prayers for her friend Kathy, who is a nurse at RMC. And I'll add to that that we will also pray for all of the nurses, the doctors, the janitorial staff, the CNAs, the nurse practitioners, the physician's assistants, and every other person who is working in the healthcare field right now. Any other person who is just working on the front lines of this, may God protect them and keep them safe, physically, psychologically, and spiritually. Our regional prayer calendar um, church today is Iglesia Christiana from Fort Walton Beach, Florida. We pray for them and for their congregation, as well as for their pastor, Jose Diaz, and his wife, Anna. In addition to just praying for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, Jose is currently on um, the list to receive a kidney transplant. And so we are praying for his health and for his well-being and for Anna as well as she cares for him and I know worries about him. My sister has a good friend from college, Nikki, who is extremely ill. She has a serious immunodeficiency disease that is attacking her whole body right now. Yesterday, she was put on a feeding tube because she failed her swallow test completely. She is so weak that she can't even hold up her phone to text her friends. And she has a young daughter and a husband who are very scared. And all of her friends are so frustrated because they can't be with her right now in the midst of this virus. Vicki is asking for prayers for the anxiety related to having a job where you could be exposed on a daily basis. She says that some people are finding this is more than they can handle. And they're not just healthcare workers. So we will keep them in our prayers. And as always, let us remember our shut-ins, Leela Davis, Lois Downing, and Kay Mundy. Remembering those um, from our congregation who are in nursing homes, Jim Stillman and James Halsey. And let us remember our members who are currently serving in the military in one way or another. Hunter Avila, Drake Avila, Nikki Arnold Swindle, and Jeff Shaver. And we have an update on Jenna's grandmother. Her, uh, she has, her, has had the staples removed from the wound in her head, and she's doing fine. Her aunt and uncle, who um, were also exposed to the coronavirus at the hospital, are doing fine. And her cousin, who was sick last week, is also recovered and doing well. So God is good, and thank you for the prayers. Let us go to God in prayer. Loving and comforting God, we come to you lacking the appropriate words to say. In the face of a world that makes no sense to anyone, sometimes all we can do is cry out, Help us, O oh God. Today we come to you with the names of our loved ones in our hearts. And so as we sit in our homes, some of us are alone, some of us are with loved ones. We ask you to hear us as we call out to you the names who are sick. Hear us, Lord, as we pray the names who are sick. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now, Lord, hear us, O God, as we call out to the people who are lonely, 
or grieving. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear us, O God, as we call out the names of the health care workers and first responders that we know and love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear us, O God, as we name our greatest fears. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And hear us, O God, as we speak our greatest blessings. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You are our comfort, you are our counselor, you are our savior, and you are our creator. We love you with everything that we are, and we trust that you are behind us, beside us, and ahead of us always. Be with our world during, during this great time of trial, and bless us with the miracle of your resurrection. Hear us now as we pray the prayer your son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, it was an amazing day in Jerusalem, that day that Jesus arrived. Everyone was there, and I mean everyone. Every Jew from every direction had come to the city to celebrate the Passover, and the air was literally charged with excitement. It was so crowded that you had to hold hands with your people to keep from being separated in the streets. Your senses were overwhelmed because there was so much to take in that you didn't know which way to look first. Your nose detected the scent of meat cooking over fire and the smell of livestock carrying loads of belongings. Your ears struggled to discern the sources of all the noises. Animals bleeding their anxiety, babies crying and children laughing, groups of people, families and friends, everyone talking, singing, shouting, laughing, and vendors selling their wares, yelling above the din. People pushed against you, brushed past you, holding on to their people so as not to be separated either. Every person in Jerusalem was in a fantastic mood, and then word began to spread that he was coming. The prophet, Jesus of Nazareth, was riding into the city, and we all moved towards the gates to cheer him along. Even as they pushed along with the crowd, some people were asking, Jesus, who's this Jesus fellow we're going to see? They had never even heard of him, but the energy in the crowd was contagious, and so they strained to get a glimpse of the Nazarene, even as they yelled, Hosanna! The arrival of the son of David was exciting indeed, and Jesus was ushered into the temple city by rapturous crowds laying cloaks and branches as tokens of honor and respect. A crowd is a powerful thing. Have you ever been a part of an exuberant crowd? Have you ever felt the rush of adrenaline that surges through your veins when excitement passes like electricity from one person to another? How about a high school pep rally before the big game? The band plays, the cheerleaders get the crowd going, the coach with a microphone or a bullhorn yells, Who's gonna win? And the crowd yells, We are! And if you haven't been to a pep rally, what about political rallies or football games, concerts, or even civil rights marches with hundreds of people singing, we shall overcome. There is nothing like being part of a happy, excited crowd. It can be so great, even a grown man with a hot dog in one hand and a Coke in the other will stand up and throw his arms in the air just to be a part of the stadium wave. Jesus, his disciples, and all of those people in Jerusalem knew what it felt like also. I imagine, though, that Jesus was the only one who did not revel in the crowd's euphoria. Because even as he rode that colt over cloaks and palm leaves, even as his people shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Even then, Jesus knew the praise and well wishes would not last. 
He knew one of the disciples who walked that Jerusalem road with him would soon betray him. And he knew that this very same crowd that praised his name that day would soon scream, Crucify him! But why? Why would a crowd first praise and then condemn one man in the same week? Was there something wrong with the people in that crowd? Were they somehow corrupt or immoral or insane? Unfortunately, I've heard it said that what was wrong with the crowd was that it was made up of Jews, and so the Jews killed Jesus. Well, yes, the crowd was for the most part Jewish, and the crowd endorsed Jesus' death, but it was also Jerusalem at Passover. So who else would be in the crowd on that day? And don't forget, this Jewish crowd loved Jesus so much that they lined the road with their own clothing to show respect as he passed. No, the people in the crowd were good, faithful, God-loving people. The problem with these people is that they were in a crowd. Have you ever heard the phrase groupthink? This is when otherwise intelligent people get caught up in the emotion of the group. When this happens, these seemingly intelligent people agree with behavior, actions, and ideas that would normally offend or appall them. Groupthink takes over for the conscience and propels large masses of people into sometimes terrible action. Think of the L.A. riots. Think of European soccer fans fighting on the field. Think of a lynch mob in the middle of the night. Think of the Holocaust. Human beings are forever getting caught up in emotional uproars and doing things the individuals later regret. One day the crowd yells, Hosanna to the son of David! Four days later, the crowd yells, Crucify him! In the days after that, the crowd weeps at the foot of the cross. The fact is, in the book of Matthew, the crowd drives the story and manipulates the action. In Matthew 21, verses 23 through 26, the Pharisees challenged Jesus' authority, and Jesus counters with a question. But out of fear for the crowd's reaction, the Pharisees choose not to answer Jesus. Matthew 26, verse 27 says, While Jesus was still speaking, Judas arrived, and with him was a large crowd with swords and clubs. And then Jesus turns to the crowd in verse 55 and says, Have you come to arrest me as though I were abandoned? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and then you did not arrest me. So basically Jesus asks them, Why now, if not then? What has changed? Groupthink can be a terrible and destructive thing. And it was never as destructive as in Matthew 27, verses 15 through 23, when the crowd shouted, Let him be crucified! When historians and scholars talk about Passover in Jerusalem at that time, they talk about nervous political and religious leaders. The political leaders were nervous because... They would have to answer to Caesar if anything went wrong. The religious leaders, the Pharisees, 
were nervous because Judaism walked a tightrope with the Roman government, and they knew that if anything went wrong, they could incite persecution from Rome. They knew that whenever that many people, no matter how pious or good, crammed into such a confined space, chaos was a danger. Everyone knew the crowds could be a problem. The people in that crowd were essentially good people. They were anyone. They were everyone. They were no different from you or me. We could have been that crowd. But there were some who were not good, who were concerned only with their own interests, who were operating out of fear and ignorance, and who saw an opportunity to take care of an irritant that just wouldn't go away. You see, every good crowd that goes bad has an instigator, someone who knows how to get emotions flying, someone who can make a persuasive argument to masses of people, someone who is skilled at taking advantage of a volatile situation and using it for their own benefit. Hitler saw his opportunity in a country riddled with poverty and starvation. He knew his countrymen and women needed someone to take charge and saw them weakened and desperate. He used them to promote his own agenda, and he used them to commit some of the worst crimes in history. The crowd in Jerusalem was the victim of skilled manipulation as well, and they were used to achieve great evil. Yes, the people in that crowd were basically good. They loved their families. They made sacrifices to God. They reached out to their neighbor in need, and they sang the praises of Jesus as he passed through the crowd. <clears throat> but the crowd was naive, and it lacked discernment. And so that crowd allowed itself to be revved up into a heightened state of agitation. It rode so high on a rational emotion until it yelled, Crucify him over and over again. So what does this mean for us? If that crowd was made from every man, woman, and child, that means it was like us. Those people worked like us. They loved like us. They worshipped as passionately as us. That crowd was us. We are them, and they are we, and we cannot sit in judgment of them. But how do we make sure that doesn't happen again? How do we make sure that we do not participate in mob-instigated injustice? How do we honor our commitment to Jesus, the Christ, in the face of adversity? Can we do it? Of course we can. First of all, that crowd was forgiven before they even asked for it. Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. Jesus knows us. He understands us. And he can forgive us for our transgressions before we're even aware that we've committed them. And so we pray. And we praise. And we give thanks to God for the grace and mercy he has bestowed on his children. And we ask for the ability to discern good from evil, truth from lies, emotional propaganda from reason and fact. 
We work hard to stay true to our faith, to stand firm for our God. We proclaim the good news to every person we meet, and we constantly evaluate our words, our actions, and our thoughts in light of God's greatest commandments. To love God with all our hearts, with all our souls, and with all our minds, and then to love our neighbors as ourselves. If we find ourselves caught up in a fervor that is taking us away from God and his truth, then we need to pull ourselves away and regroup. We must pray for Jesus to hear us and ask him to lead us. And as we pray, we follow Jesus down that Jerusalem road. We yell, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We give thanks for our God who loves us so much that he gave his only son so that we might be forgiven of our sins. We are the people in that crowd on that Jerusalem road. We are good people. We are God-fearing people. And thanks to Jesus of Nazareth, we are forgiven. Amen. Amen. In times like these, people are often moved towards God as a source of comfort and stability. That's a good thing. If anything good can come out of trials and tribulations, it's that people see how much they need the Lord in their lives. So let us remember that God is with us always in the good times and the bad, and that God loves us more than we can possibly comprehend. I invite you this Palm Sunday morning to give yourself to God now by accepting the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Invite him into your heart and ask him to begin to transform your life in amazing ways.
I would like to invite you to give of your tithes and offerings at this time. If you are a member of the First Christian Church family, please mail a check to 1327 Layton Avenue, Anniston, Alabama, 36207. That's 1327 Layton Avenue, Anniston, Alabama, 36207. Or go to our website, www.fccanniston.org. That's www.fccanniston.org. And scroll down to the bottom of the homepage to find the Donate Now button. If you are a member of another worshiping community, please remember to keep sending in your tithes and offerings to them, even if you can't be with your church at this time. I know that it's hard to remember to give when you're not there, and many of us honestly are tempted to hold on to what we've got because we just don't know what's coming around the corner. But your churches need you to be faithful during these scary times, and so we encourage you to remember that God is faithful to you always. Your financial gifts allow us to continue on ministering to you in good times and in hard times, and they will ensure that your church is still there waiting to do great things in your community when this coronavirus is finally over. So please, I invite you now to give. Robert Richardson, a 19th century disciple leader, said these words, With what heartfelt assurance could we make God's sheltering wings our refuge? With what reverential joy should we approach the sacred memorials of God's grace, here presented before us, and banquet on his love's repast? Behold these emblems, they speak to the heart, they tell of God's love, the love of the one from whom all love proceeds. They tell of sorrows born for us, of humiliation, pain, and death. Let us consider them. We come to Jesus, and he meets us here. On this triumphant day of palm-waving and yelling praises to our King, we come to this table and behold these emblems, the bread and the cup, and we give thanks for a God so powerful and yet so humble. We too should approach this meal with the utmost humility and with hearts filled with gratitude. For even as we sin before God, God loves us enough 
to die for us. We are all invited to partake of this meal. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, This is my body, broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let us pray. Humble and triumphant King, we thank you for your sacrifice, that we might live with you for all eternity. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for giving your body and your blood to cleanse the world of sin once and for all. Bless these elements and bless us as we partake of them. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and be with us always. Amen. And now I invite you to take the bread and to eat it. Body of Christ broken for you. And to share the cup, either dip the bread in the cup or drink of it. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born, Christ, died. Christ was raised, 
Christ will come again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks be to God. As I send you from this worship service, I encourage you to remember that God, our gracious God, who rode into Jerusalem triumphant on the donkey and then who was condemned to death a few days later, that God loves you with everything that he has. And because of him, you have been redeemed. Go in peace. You are forgiven. Amen. Thank you.